When I Grow Old When I grow old, I will wear purple and eat ice cream. I think that's how the poem goes, something like that. But as I sit across from my Aunt Pat, a different version is running through my mind. When I grow old, I will wear no bra and let my basketballs rest on my knees. I will throw out my dentures and tell people what I think of them and where they should go. She's 88 years old and for the better part of the last 25 years has had little awareness of where she is. What I know of her, I like, but I wouldn't say we connect. Perhaps it's a physical alignment and not a spiritual one. You see, of all the relatives, she's the only one that I sort of look like. In a family of long-limbed progeny, she and I are stocky. And we both have thick hair and sparkling eyes. Her hair is beautifully thick and bright white. It has been for most her life. Her eyes are blue, whereas mine are green. And it would seem in time I will look more and more like her. Today I'm visiting her with her little brother, my dad, age 85. He has his wits about him and he lives independently. She asks, who are you? I respond, I am your niece. I am your brother Bill's daughter. Oh, I don't know you. She looks at me again and says, who are you? And how do you know that I live here? I try a different tack. Haggis was my Scottish terrier. Her whole face lights up and she smiles and says, ah, yes, how is Haggis? She's a dog person through and through, and while her mental Rolodex of humans is long gone, her catalog of hounds, each dog tied to an emotion of love and acceptance, is well intact. How is Haggis, she asks, completely engaged. Oh gosh, he's been dead for like 30 years, I say stupidly, and suddenly I'm focused on facts and not feelings. Oh dear. She's crestfallen and looks around the room and then back at me. And who are you? I answer, Haggis is my dog. She says, oh, how is Haggis? He's such a good looking Scotty. And I answer, Aunt Pat, he's wonderful. He still loves to play ball and he's very smart looking. She smiles and relaxes a little in her chair. She looks around the room again and focuses on her brother. She looks back at me and asks, is that your husband? No, I answer, that's my dad. Again, she looks relieved. Oh, oh, good, she says, because he looks an awful lot like my brother. The next time we visit, I take my children. I tell them not to be frightened. I tell them her mind is gone, but her heart is good, and that's what counts. I tell them she loves dogs. I do this so they have some touch point and aren't overwhelmed. I don't know why I think I need to provide this. I think children and the elderly actually communicate with each other authentically if given the chance. But today I'm nervous and I feel compelled to issue marching orders and context to all. The four of us, my dad, me, and my two children walk into her room to see her. I notice her glasses are gone. Dad, should I look for her glasses? I ask, nope, she threw them away. And she also threw her teeth away. She said she's done, he answers. Aunt Pat is lying on her bed. She's wearing a nice blouse and slacks 
and her bulletin board is decorated with pictures of her long gone siblings and parents. It's a kind gesture, one of love, or perhaps it gives her context, but I can't help thinking she'd rather have pictures of her dogs up. My dad calls her name. She doesn't respond. He calls it again, this time closer to her ear and louder. No movement. He reaches for her ankles and shakes her. No movement. I turn to my children and say, hey, kids, why don't you step out into the hall? I'll be out in a minute. My morning marching orders didn't include standard operating procedure for walking in on a dead ant. This was worse than not connecting. I should have covered this. Anyways, my dad shakes her again. I see her exhale and I do the same. Good, she has not died in front of my children. He wakes her and she tells him to leave her alone. I say to him, dad, maybe this just isn't a good time of day. You know, don't worry, we tried. And I'll make sure the kids draw some dog pictures for her. Just let her sleep. He needs to know that it's been acknowledged that we tried. Aunt Pat won't remember any of it. We step out in the hall and the nurses say she's doing well. They say she's extremely independent and stubborn. My dad and I look at each other and laugh. What will the nurses tell us next, that the Pope is Catholic? Our entire family is independent and stubborn. Those are traits we all share. My dad says, I wish I could have woken her up. It would have been good for her. I don't know, Dad. She looked pretty happy sleeping. Well, she really should get up, he says with an air of authority. Later, I get a call from my sister. She says, I visited Pat. It took some doing, but I got her out of bed and had a conversation with her. Oh, that's nice, I answer. Was she in a good mood? Oh, eventually, my sister answers. And then I finally say it. I don't get it. I don't get why everyone who visits her feels compelled to wake her up. Well, says my sister, because they can't, she can't very well sleep all day. Why not? Why, if she's resting peacefully, do we need to wake her? Well, because it's better for her. Why, I ask. I'm not trying to give my sister a hard time. I'm trying to figure out why, if you come across an 88-year-old eight-year-old who has thrown out her glasses, her teeth, her hearing aids, and who is peacefully sleeping in a clean bed with clean clothes on, why is everyone's compulsion to go to great lengths to wake her up? Well, it's good for her, and that way she won't get bed sores, says my sister. Huh, okay. But later I check, and it's confirmed that she's in no danger of bed sores. I silently draw the conclusion that the reason people who visit go to great lengths to wake her up, is that they want to be acknowledged for visiting. For whatever reason, it's all about them. So let me add another verse to my alternate version of When I Grow Old. When I grow old and braless, I shall be surrounded by pictures of creatures and people I love. I shall throw out my glasses if I don't feel like looking, and my teeth if I don't feel like chewing. I shall nap with abandon, thoroughly pleased and calm, as I create my own slumbered reality. And when I grow old, I ask for the love of Pete that you just let me sleep.